What is going on, guys? This is In the Zone. It's episode 189 today. I'm here, as always, with Giancarlo Alino. Chris Martelli here with you guys, and we got to kick it off. Now, we remember Alino from January to March. We talk a lot about basketball, quite a bit. Almost every single week, we talked about the Brooklyn Nets and James Harden and Kyrie Irving and how that's going to pan out. We're going to go back to Brooklyn to start this pod. We're going to talk about Kevin Durant. There was a rumor, I think it was a couple of days ago, that he gave the Nets an ultimatum. He said, listen, I will stay with Brooklyn, but that's if Steve Nash and Sean Marks get fired. So I've, I've seen a couple of the trade packages. We've seen it all summer long. We've seen it with the Heat. We've seen it with the Celtics, the Suns, the Raptors. If you're the Brooklyn Nets, are you are you taking that ultimatum and running with it, or are you still trying to uh, trade Kevin Durant? Yeah, if this was Kevin Durant in uh, OKC, and that's your best chance of like taking him on and uh, still keeping him in the fold, he's in his 20s, I would say, you know what, we'll do it. This is Kevin Durant, injury-prone. Uh, he's like two years removed from a scary injury where he missed a year. I would trade him. Uh, this Now I would not even try to do a bidding war. I would look at the best possible offer and try to cut my losses with them because this is only going to trickle down in the dressing room and all the players. Now you already have Kyrie to deal with. You have Ben Simmons of all people to deal with too. Like it's just a big headache. So like thank KD for his time and being professional and performing in the playoffs and just didn't work out. Cut your losses and uh, try to fit someone in there that can work with uh, Ben Simmons and Kyrie. Now, we talk about Brooklyn, what, 10 years ago with Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Joe Johnson. Is this arguably the biggest collapse and failure of all time? I would say so, yeah, because like KD, I know when he was signed, like you already had the intention. He's going to miss the first year, but you're going to have Kyrie to build chemistry with all the other guys. And then when KD comes back, you're having him join this all-star caliber team, and that just didn't work out. And this year, I think, was the biggest disappointment. That was their chance to win it all. And Ben Simmons didn't play when a lot of reports said he could have played. So I think this is a huge like blunder that that's on the management because this team, with if you kept James Harden, just uh, manage everyone's ego, you probably could have gotten a final. But they didn't even really play together, and that's disappointing. So you missed out now on potentially bringing a championship to Brooklyn. Do you think in terms of the situation, how it all panned out with James Harden and the whole negative publicity that he was getting with the clubbing and you know going out in Houston and being with little Baby, the rapper, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, things are going south really quick. And then we saw obviously Harden get traded. Kyrie Irving did not get vaccinated. He barely played last year, but when he played, he was arguably a scratching a top 10 player. Um, do you see the Brooklyn Nets at any given time? If they make this trade, do you see them being relevant anytime soon? Because when I look at a potential trade partner here, I don't know if it's really going to work out for, for the Brooklyn Nets. Now, a lot of people that I've been seeing on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, they say it doesn't matter. Regardless, Brooklyn's going to win the trade. And I think to myself, are they really, though? Like, you're trading... You've already traded James Harden, who is potentially one of the best playmakers that that franchise has seen since Jason Kidd. You're going to trade arguably the best score that franchise has ever had in Kevin Durant. And you now might trade Kyrie Irving, who's one of the most electrifying point guards I've ever seen. So when we think about trades and you think about, oh, you might be able to get Bam Adebayo, you might be able to get a Tyler Hero, a Jalen Brown. Do you see Brooklyn in any given circumstance winning an eventual Kevin Durant trade? Because honestly, man, I know the assets look nice with the first round picks. You're not getting a guy that's ever going to be as good as those guys. Yeah, I agree. And like, it's one of those things where you don't want to get yourself in a situation you were when you got Paul Pierce and Kevin uh, Garnett from Boston and when Boston is coming calling, I am not answering the phone. Like we did that in the past and don't do that again. Even if you're getting Jalen Brown, like you don't know what other assets they're going to ask for. So I would say no. And I think this is just the Nets GM's last effort here to get a bidding war because he saw that nobody's offering what he wants for KD. So he's saying that all oh, this team's interested in what they're offering and 
it's just going to get other teams to panic and say, okay, we'll double our uh, trade value there for the first round picks. But I like Toronto's chances, as crazy as it sounds. I think Masai has been looking. He's like confident. He's probably been uh, firm and saying, no, this is our offer. And if they come calling and saying, we want Siakam, we want this guy, Scotty Barnes in the mix, I think he's just said no. And the message is clear. So, Whatever offer that Brooklyn's getting, I think Masai is involved in the convos. And if it's not up to those standards, he'll probably call Masai and say, okay, we'll do the deal for OG, Trent, and the first-round pick. So I think Masai is just staying in the sidelines and watching how this all plays out. And I actually wouldn't rule out KD being a Raptor. Yeah, you know what, man? A part of me wants him to come here, but a part of me just does not want him to come here just because of – the ba- I hate to say it, man, the baggage that he brings. There's always going to be that drama. There's always going to be that expectation. I mean, is he arguably better than Kawhi Leonard? I don't know about that. When Leonard came to the team, he was in his peak form, MVP. Um, San Antonio and Toronto, they rehabilitated him to perfection. He barely played, you know, the – what's it called? Uh, loan oh, management. Yeah. Loan management. That was the first, basically, year of – them doing that and openly saying it so if Kevin Durant were to come here I said it before the paw went live I'm not trading Siakam I'm not trading Scotty Barnes Fred Van Fleet Trent and maybe I don't even know if I'll trade Trent at this point because we've seen him be an electrifying secondary score when the big time guys aren't making their baskets but I mean, other than the Raptors, dude, do you see Miami with a guy like Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo being enough? Because we've said, we, I mean, Sean Marks said that he wanted Tatum and Brown. So I don't know what the hell his asking price is. I don't know what drugs he's on. But do you see Miami maybe being a potential destination? You have KD with, uh, with Jimmy Butler. I could see it. It's just going to manage, like, they're going to have to manage a lot of egos there. And who are they going to trade to make that happen? Like, I know Hero is a nice piece, but I think Brooklyn, if they're asking for Jalen Brown and like Scotty Barnes and Siakam and all these guys, they want a guy that's going to come in and work with Kyrie to win a championship now. And I just don't see uh, Tyler Hero. He's developed a lot, he's a good offensive player, but I don't see that out of him where he's going to be a game changer as a starting five, but maybe that can change. Maybe Brooklyn sees that in him, that he can be an elite uh, first-team NBA player, but I just don't like Miami's chances in that just because of who they're going to ask. And Kyrie, like, will he want to play with them? And then uh, Lowry's still on Miami, so you have two guys that are up there in age. So I think it would be a little difficult to do. Yeah, I agree there. So – We'll end with the Kevin Durant talks, but I just want to ask you because there are two new teams that have emerged and have been interested, and that's the Pelicans. Who is your team? I know you love the Pelicans. And, of course, the Atlanta Hawks. Now, out of all the teams that we've mentioned with the Philadelphia 76ers, with the Celtics, with the Heat, with the Raps, with arguably the Pelicans and the the Hawks both having boatloads of young potential superstar players I'll end with this with this discussion by asking you, who do you think at the end of the day, Alino, nabs Kevin Durant? Uh, I'll take the homer assignment out of me by saying the Raptors. So taking the Raptors aside, I like the chances of a team to pop up out of nowhere and scoop them up. So the best fit actually might sound crazy is OKC with all the guys they have. I think KD, if he goes there, that turns everything around. Him and Shy Gildress Alexander... Uh, you have all the first-round picks that they've had. I think that's a best fit. Realistically, I would see him going and taking his talents. This is going to be crazy. <laughs> to Phoenix. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It would have to be a three-team deal. Uh, they would have to trade Aiden probably. I would say Indiana would be a third team. And if it's not Indiana, you have to go to Dallas and work out some cap numbers because they have players that can – maneuver around the captor but i think phoenix would be who nabs him at the end of the day who do you think's in that trade you got aiden going to indiana who do you think will go to the nets like a bridges cam johnson couple firsts yeah i think both of them for sure uh probably three first round picks then you're looking at indiana side miles turner would probably go uh to brooklyn and uh, i think indiana would be the one that would get most of the draft picks out of it so I think Brooklyn and like obviously Phoenix will get KD, but 
Brooklyn would get Turner, gets most of the picks back and trade them to Indiana. And we'll see some all-stars uh, switching teams. But I think that's probably the three-team trade with those teams was probably the best fit. Dude, that would be a massive big three. Paul, Katie, and Booker. Holy shit. Well, we got to continue to just – I guess we got to wait because we thought it would happen, what, about a month ago and still nothing because, again, Sean Marks' is asking price is a little bit bananas, but that's okay. Now we got to move on to the wrestling world. I want to quickly first talk about yesterday's AEW. Dude, what a show yesterday. We saw Darby Allen get into it early on in that. I think it was a no disqualification or was it a casket match? It was one of those. And then, of course, his it's, I'm going to call Dar- I'm going to call Sting Darby Allen's dad. <laughs> so 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 Darby Allen's dad opens it and he, you know, Going up against, I dude, I I can't. I gotta call them Buddy Murphy, and I, I just I have to. That's just how I know him. So he goes up against Buddy Murphy and and Alistair Black. There, what do you what do you think about this feud so far? Because to me, dude, honestly, every time I watch AEW and Sting is on my screen, I'm fucking satisfied. Yeah, I, this has been a fun one. Like, to Sting doesn't have to wrestle. Like. Him being involved, like they find a creative way for him to get in there without him like taking too much time and putting his body at risk. So I think I like this whole dynamic with the House of Black and uh Sting. I just like I don't know if it's gonna lead to Darby turning or Sting turning. Like it would be odd for Sting to be like a manager heel with uh House of Black. It'd be interesting though. Uh I like what they're doing with Miro, uh him coming around and saying he's gonna go after the House of Black and I think they have something there. So between Miro and Sting and this whole angle there, it could be something that if they're not going for a world title, it could be the best secondary feud they have. Oh yeah, for sure. I think with the amount of star power that is involved, you know, with Miro, with the house of black, with Sting, with Darby, even Darby Allen dude, two years ago, he was going for the AEW title on certain instances. So I think regardless, they do have something there. I know, there, they. I said it to you numerous times. I think when you look at the future of AEW, it's the likes of Darby Allen, MJF. I mean, we'll see with MJF, but you know, Hangman Page. Those are all guys that really, to me, scream main event, um, franchise building talents. I think Darby Allen, dude. I say it time and time again. The more I see him, the more he improved he is. And when you go up in a feud with CM Punk and a guy like CM Punk wants to wrestle you, that only just benefits and shows how much promise he has. So I think regardless, man, honestly, what we saw so far from, from this feud, I think just has been absolutely tremendous for everybody involved. And I see so many people online complain about Murphy and Black's um, status in, in uh, AEW. I, I mean, honestly, man, I, I like it. I kind of like the House of Black. What do you think about that faction? Because to me, they're rolling. Yeah, I like them. I think like... I like how the long-term uh, storytelling they had there with uh, Buddy Murphy coming in, and it kind of picked up where they left off with uh, Malachi Black, the eyeball thing, and it's like that was a storyline from WWE during uh, that whole Performance Center era that they had where they're just throwing guys together and just to try to get a show out there during the pandemic. So for them to still carry over into another company and form a faction, I think it just helps, and it leads uh, maybe the future of the trios title. Maybe they win that. They'll feud. I think that would be something where all these stables that AEW have are going to make something interesting there and we'll have some fun tag team or six-man tag team scene. I, I would fucking love that. But, you know, now we got to move on. Um, talking more and more importantly about Ricky Starks. I think they're just trying to promote this guy to the point where like what is this guy like a ricochet like i really don't know what kind of direction they're going with with ricky starks but you know what do you think overall with uh the way they're kind of building this guy yeah i think this like he was a guy when they signed i thought that was a perfect signing i thought wwe should have signed him right away like he was an nwa working with uh damian sandow aaron stevens and that was a good program and showcase like Ricky Starks, how he's able to talk and carry himself. He had star potential. They never put like the world title on him, but he was feuding with uh, the secondary title and him coming over to AEW against Cody. Uh, everybody started like cheering on him and 
going on Twitter, and then he gets signed by AEW, and ever since then, just the momentum. I thought him as a heel didn't really work being a part of Team Taz. Like he, I think he was further along than all those guys, but now as a baby face, I think we're going to see him. Like This guy's a superstar in the making here, and I think it's only a matter of time before uh, he's going to be pushed to the moon. And if he's not fighting for the world title, I think TNT title, he's going to carry that for a while. I agree, man. Honestly, I think Ricky Starks has that potential, too, to be with the likes of the guys I just mentioned, with Darby Allen and them. Um, but we got to keep going. You know, we looked at Mad- Madison Rain, dude. Is like, she's jacked. She's shredded. She knows exactly what she's doing. Um, or is it Cargill? Cargill's a champion, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She, no, she faced no, Madison Rain. Yeah, yeah. So Car- she, to me, like, she screams Bianca Belair. Not as good, obviously, in the ring, but she's right there. Um, do you see Cargill? Because we see now that Tony Storm, I think, is the number one contender for the for the title. Do you see Tony Storm becoming the champ, or do you think they're just going to continue to roll with a with a lady like Cargill because she's been having a tremendous twenty twenty two? Yeah, it's like it's also too like she's great, and they're really promoting the streak a little too much. Like you know when Goldberg was, oh. he had his streak. I think it's getting to that level where. Eventually, she's going to have to lose before this thing gets out of hand and the way she loses might not be, like, over with fans. So I would just take the title, like, before it gets to 100. And it's, like, a crazy number like that. And then you can build a storyline where she gets back on track and goes on another run. But they might be backing themselves in a corner because she keeps beating all these women that come in. Like, who's going to be that next contender that beats her? So... I like what they're doing so far. I think the way she's elevated that division has been great, but I don't know. What do you think? Like who should take the title off? I think that's going to be uh, the big question going forward. Uh, dude, I like how you mentioned the streak there. I just think when, it, when you think about streaks, it gets to a point where it gets stale and then they want to see her lose. So I think if there is a woman that's probably going to beat her. I like Athena too. I think she's a, a woman that can easily, you know, insert herself in this feud and, and just go in there and do like what Liv Morgan did, just maybe on a roll up and the streak and win the title. But I do think, call me crazy, dude. It's been suited for Tony Storm for a while. I think as soon as she left WWE, that that's a type of woman that it doesn't matter what promotion she's going to go to. She's going to breathe success some way or another. And I think Tony Storm, She's going to win the title eventually. I think that's uh, that's going to be my bold prediction. I think very soon we're going to see her be the AEW Women's Champ. But then we closed it off with, um, I thought it was an incredible match. We've seen it before, but we're going to see it again. John Moxley versus Chris Jericho for the interim AEW title. What were your thoughts on this match? Now, I know Chris Jericho is getting there, up there in age, but man, the guy continues to impress, reinvent himself in his moveset. What were your overall thoughts, man, on uh, on this match overall? That was a nice little throwback, Chris Jericho, with the Lionheart gear and uh, the entrance music. I thought it was a nice change for him, and even his style. Like he didn't even like stop like that drop kick too. Like he's still doing the same move. So at his age, it's crazy that his body's still able to perform those kind of moves and still be able to get through a match, long match like that, and still be able to be physically able and like not even look like he's slowing down. So I think it's good for Jericho to get these kind of matches. I just think if he keeps on losing these big matches, it's going to take away from his momentum. And I liked him and Moxie together. I thought they should have saved it for the pay-per-view, but it looks like uh, CM Punk is like medically cleared. So I think that's why they push it up to dynamite, but overall great match and now they already go on to jericho appreciation society to blackpool combat club so that feud at least they got something else for jericho after this one so that's a positive now i know obviously you know like castagnoli's been incredible since going you know jumping ship i'm so happy for the guy do you see chris jericho and castagnoli have that one-on-one match that everybody's been wanting to see for a long time? Or do you think they're going to continue to build it as that, you know, those two tag teams or factions going at it? Yeah, I'd like to see that because now Castagnoli's the Ring of Honor champ. So I think Jericho, if he can say that he wants to win a Ring of Honor title, it could add to the whole brand there of Ring of Honor that Chris Jericho really sees it as a prestigious title. So I wouldn't rule out 
it being a title match, but I do think for Castagnoli, like coming in, being a big deal, like the way he was presented at the pay-per-view, I think a match with Jericho at All Out would make sense. So I'd love to see it. And I think uh, Castagnoli can get a good match out of a Jericho at this stage of his career. Oh, easily, man. I guess this is a guy, I remember like Jericho even back a couple of years ago was putting on incredible matches with, you know, with uh, with Moxley and, and all these other guys. And it's like, holy shit, this guy's like 50. And he was much bigger a couple of years yeah. ago. He's lost significant amount of weight. I'm really happy for Jericho. Just like I mentioned, he continues to impress me. I like how they have Guevara. They have Hager. They have a lot of options there. And Hager and Castagnoli have a lot of history too. So um, at some point, regardless if it's a singles match, if it's faction versus faction, I do like what you mentioned because I remember, you could correct me if I'm wrong, Jericho, I'm pretty sure he had a feud in New Japan at some point and he was going for those titles and he was holding those titles. So it would be very fitting if he literally called out Castagnoli by himself, one-on-one for the ROH title, just to add another title to his just illustrious resume because Jericho might have the greatest resume of all time. So um, regardless, I do like it at all out, but how about punk versus Moxley, man? Is this a, is this a type of feud that screams blockbuster? Because to me, it absolutely does. And with it, a pay-per-view at all out, they got to go all out for this feud. And uh, I think, I think the big payoff is for punk to win, but call me crazy, dude. I can see Moxley retaining and being one of the biggest heels in the company. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Because uh, Moxley's an interim champ, and if you're interim champ, that means a champion's unable to perform. So Moxley's going to be able to put that down and say uh, to Punk, like, yeah, you weren't even able to defend your title. I came in and won it again. I'm the real champion, and that's just going to bring out more fire in this feud, and Punk and Moxley go back a long time. And WWE, when the Shield came in, was to help CM Punk, so... It's in Chicago, so the I know the crowd's gonna be obviously in CM Punk's favor, but like if they turn Moxley heel, I don't think it will be like long term type of thing. I think it would just be for this feud. So I'd like to see CM Punk win, uh, just because Moxley. There's a lot of other options for him, and I think uh, MJF being lurking in the back there should be a good one for CM Punk. They got to do that again. Absolutely, man. I was just going to mention MJF too. Uh, he hasn't been around since what, June? I think it's been June. And, you know, what we saw to close out AEW with Punk and, and, Amb- and Ambrose, let's say Ambrose, <laughs> holy shit. And, uh, and Moxley, you know, you see Moxley give him the finger and then the shoulder rub and saying some, you know, I think like fuck off or something. I just think, you know, in wrestling, we always think about face versus heel. In this instance, do you believe that there should be no such thing? Because I absolutely believe that. I think both of these guys are tweeners at heart. They're both badasses. They don't really care that much about pleasing fans. They just want that end result. And the end result, obviously, is to put on a good match, lace up their boots, and win the title. Do you see this feud being in that sort of category where Obviously, in wrestling, you always have a fan. You have fans cheer and boo. But in this instance, would you just keep it afloat where you don't really tell the crowd that there's a face and a heel involved? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think with this, like especially two guys like this that are both able to be faces and heels. And like CM Punk, when he was feuding with MJF, when they went to Long Island and uh, he came out with the Tavares jersey, I think that was a way of Punk. Like for one night, he can read the crowd and change it up so this one i don't think it will be different i think the crowd will decide who's a baby face and who's a heel and i think they'll just both work off on that for that one night so if uh there's any way that they can make this a long-term thing i think cm punk would be the one to turn heel just because it would make more sense in terms of AEW and the blackpool combat club so i'd love to see it but if mjf doesn't come back i think they have something here with these two do you think it when or if MJF comes back, based on how things kind of ended and you talk about the pipe bomb and very similar to Punk's in 2011, do you have MJF being potentially, call me crazy here, do you have him being a potential top baby face coming back? Oh, that would be uh, that'd be something if they did that. Like, 
a lot of people are going to cheer him 100%. When he comes back, whatever he does, even if he's going to be a heel when he comes back and attack the baby face, I think fans are going to cheer him regardless. But once he starts cutting more promos, he'll get the crowd to hate him again because he's great at being a heel. I think he's just a guy that everybody's perception kind of changed when he feuded with Punk, when he feuded with Jericho, that with these older guys, he's able to not only show he belongs in there, but he shows that he's just on their level. He's not just the guy that's happy to get the rub there. So I'd love to see what they have planned when MJF comes back. And I think with WWE now, with Triple H in charge and Cody being there, they have to make this guy happy or else he's going to dip. He's going to jump ship too. And uh, (laughs) they'll just see uh, MJF. He knows how to negotiate in public. It's a tactic that's worked for him so far. Uh, So good on him. I absolutely love it. Now, I want to quickly talk a little bit more about AEW quickly in terms of All Out. We all know that they have the Casino Battle Royals, and, you know, those are big deals. If you had to guess a men's superstar that would win that, who are you leaning towards? Because honestly, man, I really want to see Keith Lee win that Battle Royal. Yeah, Keith Lee and uh, Swerve and all that tag team. They're the champs. I don't think it's going to be a long tag team, a long partnership. I doubt it. Uh, I think one of them will win it, though. Like, whoever ends up turning on each other. Uh, we saw a powerhouse Hobbs turn on Ricky Starks. If they do something similar, I think whoever turns wins that battle royal. But if there's a guy, I think it has to be one of those two. Can you see a guy? I know he's been getting a lot of heel heat. Can you see Christian coming in there and winning the battle? <laughs> Throw Jungle Boy. Yeah, one of, one of the two, man. I mean, Jungle Boy's only 25. And, you know, Christian's what, like, 50 he's almost 50 so like his promos that he's been putting have been phenomenal and you know jungle boy he did suffer suffer a shoulder injury i don't know how long he's out for but it would definitely be intriguing to see christian cage go out there win the battle royal and making make himself a little more meaningful again yeah i think people are forgetting how good he is like some of these kids going online like oh edge's partner calling him oh he's only good because of edge i think He's reminding everybody he can be an asshole as a heel, and I love it. So Captain Charisma, the instant classic there, when he's in this mode, he's firing on all cylinders in his promos. They're on point there. So I'd I'd love to see Christian uh, get another run as a heel in AEW. Yeah, that would be fucking awesome. But uh, now I want to quickly move on to WWE. Of course, we saw on Raw, we saw a couple um, very controversial things go down. We saw, of course, Kevin Owens injuring Ezekiel. Now, I got to ask you right away. Ezekiel, it was a hell of a storyline. He was over with the crowd. Um, they did the whole on-screen. I don't, know, I don't know how they did it. Probably with CGI with Ezekiel and Elias. Do you see Kevin Owens now with Triple H in charge getting a push sooner rather than later? Maybe like a Survivor Series win or like i mean like a survivor series five on five win or do you see him potentially winning a title soon because honestly dude i think it's a long time coming for kevin owens yeah i think with ko and uh just what he's able to do there with ezekiel he turned the storyline that was bullshit and he made it like one of the things that everybody wanted to tune in to see every week because you would see how would ezekiel and elias just piss off kevin owens more then he gets like even more into it and the whole like conspiracy theory angle that they're putting out there and Elias's concert. I think eventually Elias will come back and feud with KO, but I think right now KO, he has to get a big push out of this. Like he just came off before this Ezekiel feud feuding with Austin and he main evented night one of WrestleMania. So I think he has to, after that, the way he was able to protect Austin, have a great match with a guy who hasn't wrestled in 19 years, you have to reward him for that. So whether it's a world title run or a big win at Survivor Series. I think KO is lined up for that. Now, we talk about so many different guys, man. Like, the Usos haven't been able to lose in a very long time. If you go desperation mode, you have maybe Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens make a tag team. Do you think that would flourish as a face tag team? Because I think in terms of maybe a comedic sense, maybe it would. But I think regardless, the internet fans would be all over that, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah, they would love it. KO and Sami Zayn again. Like, we saw it as a, when they were heels, it worked. And then they had the match with uh, Daniel Bryan at uh, WrestleMania. So Two that was one. fun. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun one. Uh, they can make it work as faces. 
it might be harder. Like you would think that Kevin Owens would turn again when he wants to go back to heel on Sami Zayn and do that whole NXT run again. But I I think it'd be something different. Like if Sami Zayn is getting beat up because he says the honorary member of the bloodline, <laughs> <laughs> they start attacking him. Like another one would be Brock if he came back because him and Sami Zayn's segments were hilarious. But if they don't go with Brock, I think KO and Sammy going as a face team for the tag titles would be amazing. Yeah, you know what, man? That just screams main event. But I uh, got to keep on going. Honestly, dude, like, did you like the opening segment with uh, the Street Profits and Seth Rollins? Because we do know that Seth, you know, he doesn't necessarily have a legitimate one-on-one feud right now. I guess if we had to pick someone... It's probably Riddle, but Riddle obviously wasn't. I don't think he was on Raw. What did you think about that whole segment with the Street Profits? Because the more that I watch the Street Profits, they're growing on me, man, as a legitimate main event tag team. Yeah, even more than uh, that, like I think the Street Profits could both be single stars. Like a lot of people look at Montez Ford as being the guy, but like Dawkins has proven like he's just as good. So whenever they do split the teams up, I hope it's on different brands, like what they did with the new day. I think that was a nice way to split them up by keeping them still as a team and uh, interacting online. Like when they do segments for WWE.com or social media, they're still the new day. Like they can do that with the street profits, but have them on different shows doing their own singles thing. So I would love to see it, but uh, I think the street profits right now, uh, if they're going in that direction of slowly breaking up as a team, they're going to have to do something that causes fans to maybe turn on one or push hard for the other. I mean, honestly, dude, I'm so down for Ford versus Rollins if they really yeah. had to do like an emergency one-on-one type of scenario. But either way, man, like I think you said it perfectly. The street profits benefit regardless of, the limelight that they're in right now. Dawkins has put in an, a dude. He's looks like a completely different person from a couple of years ago. He's putting a lot of work in the gym, uh, his nutrition, his like, he just looks like he's in phenomenal shape. I just think regardless sooner rather than later, I think they are the team, not the new day. I think, I think the street profits are going to be the team that beat them for the tag titles. And once one of them turns heel, if it's Dawkins, if it's Ford, I think that could also lead to a one-on-one match, and then we could see how great of singles potential players they both are. But um, we got to continue. What do you think about this EO Sky, um, Bailey, and uh, Dakota Kai uh, faction? Do you like it? Because I think them going up against Bianca, um, Alexa Bliss, and uh, who's the other girl here? And um, I think it's Oscar. Oscar. Or- yeah. It's Oscar. What what do you think about that? Because, you know, I love when the women's title sometimes I guess it has to be it has a there has to be a break, you know, that they don't defend it, but in this case, you have so many potential women's champions in this. I think regardless they don't have to. I think this is a perfect 3 on 3. Can you see, I don't know why. I could see Alexa Bliss turning here. I don't know what it is. I don't see I mean, obviously not right now. But I think in the long run, I think Alexa Bliss might be the one that turns heel here. Yeah, I think uh, she made it work as a babyface with uh, Nikki Ash. And uh, <laughs> when they were together, I was surprised that that team worked the way it did. And it, like right before the pandemic, and they had to change everything around. And then Alexa Bliss ended up going uh, down the deep end, we'll say, uh, with Bray <laughs> Wyatt and that fucking doll that they got rid of. So I think ever since Triple H took over, they finally saw like that stuff's not working anymore. Uh, they can go back to it for like down the road. But right now I think Alexa bliss back to her old characters, what made her a star in the begin with. And if she does turn heel, that's what her best work was. And I think that would make sense, but also they would have to find someone for her to feud with. Like if she goes against Oscar, it might take away from Oscar going after the title, which I think triple H has plans for like ever since Oscar came in, that was like his uh, streak, like his Goldberg running through everyone on NXT. So it's going to be interesting with that division. Yeah, I agree. Um, now we got to quickly go on. I think this to me might have been the best part of Raw. We saw Ciampa versus Lashley for the United States title. 
Now, we haven't seen a lot of U.S. title defenses turn out to be very good matches the last couple of years. Um, to me, this one is one of those standouts, Alino. Lashley is a champion where a lot of people could say he's not really... He, I think he people will say he's greater than the United States title. He maybe doesn't need it, but you know, Ciampa comes up. He's with the Miz. He's doing phenomenal mic work. And then he comes out here and... You know, exposing the turnbuckle, doing the heel stuff, just putting on that phenomenal match with Lashley, coming up short, but still making that statement. Now, we know with Triple H being in charge, things are going to change. What do you think is next for Ciampa? Do you see him winning the U.S. title very shortly? Yeah, I think Ciampa, if there's a title he's going to win, I think they would do the U.S. title first. But, like, I think uh, what I liked about it was he made the title meaningful. Like, they had that promo package before, and it showed, like, the history of it, like, guys that held it. And I think a lot of people, want, like, recognize, like, there's a lot of Hall of Famers that held that title at different stages of their career. So, if anything, I think they need to do that with the Intercontinental title, too. Just build it back up again and make people care about it so when the champion gets it, it's not looked as a prop and it's looked at something that's going to help their career. And I think we saw that here with Champa going after it, that he really wants it. And Lashley being this dominant guy, I think it's only going to help them when they eventually take the title off him. Yeah, I agree, man. I think Lashley, this is a guy the last couple of years, he's been on this insane run with putting on phenomenal matches. And I remember going to the house show a couple of years ago, Alino, and it was Finn Balor versus Lashley for the Intercontinental title. And I guess my expectations might have been too high. I remember watching that, and it just flat-out disappointed me. But since after that WrestleMania with Lashley, after he feuded with Finn and he had that Mania match, I feel like he turned the page for the better. They put him with MVP. He went on that phenomenal heel run. He dethroned the Miz to win the WWE title, and he kind of didn't look back. Um, you know, he put on phenomenal matches with Drew McIntyre, uh, even, you know, Baron Corbin. That, that's a name that obviously has struggled the past couple of, you know, months, but this is a guy that's just been absolutely phenomenal. And, um, you know, I just think, like you mentioned, there has to be more prestige with the mid-card titles. I was saying before the pod, I don't want to go on a little rant here, but... What are, what are we doing here with the mid-card titles? Like Gunther, Walter, wh however you want to call him, he was an up-and-coming superstar. He held that, that title for a very long time in NXT, and he comes up and it's like, yeah, you're the Intercontinental Champion, but for what? Nobody knows you're the Intercontinental <laughs> Champion. Like, I don't know. I'm really happy to see the U.S. title being defended in, in a meaningful way, but they got to do something with these belts, man. Yeah, I agree. And I think it, when probably when the Miz was champ, that was like the last time they really cared, I think, like creative wise, because when <laughs> Miz was Intercontinental champ, that's the only story on SmackDown that made sense. I made people tune in and him that was going six after years ago, Dolph, man. Yeah, Fuck. Crazy. <laughs> like, I don't know. Ever since then, like <laughs> just been X, Y and Z holding the title and no one really caring about it. Like, I remember when Nakamura held it. And at first, me and Collab were like, dude, this is uh, amazing. He's going to carry, he's going to make it meaningful. Nope. Didn't, uh, you didn't really hear him that much. So, I mean, regardless, I'm very happy for Lashley and Ciampa to put a type of match like that on. It should have main evented Raw. I don't know what they were thinking there. But regardless, I thought it was great. But then, of course, you had Chad Gable and Ziggler. They're in this little feud. And you know what? I'm, I'm okay with it. It's great Matt wrestling. It looks like Dolph Ziggler might be getting a little bit of a renaissance. Um, I think if Ciampa wins the title, we might be seeing Ciampa for Ziggler. Oh, man. That would be good. Because uh, Ziggler, I think a couple months ago, or like going into WrestleMania, he was on NXT 2.0 uh, with Ciampa and Braun Breaker. Wins NXT title. So if they want to do that feud again, it would make sense. And Miz is involved too. So there's that feud with Dolph Ziggler from six years ago they could pick back up. Uh, maybe the Miz turns on Ciampa and goes with uh, Dolph Ziggler like an asshole, but I think it would make sense, like having all those guys together. But it's going to come down to like what they're going to do with Ziggler. Like, is he going to be pushed up to the main event scene, or is he just going to be this guy that has these great matches and maybe wins a mid card title? Yeah, and of course, you know, to close out Raw, we had AJ Styles versus the Miz in a no DQ match, which obviously to me, I thought. 
thought it was pretty decent, honestly. Uh, it got graded a B plus. I just think seeing AJ Styles main event Raw just that gave me butterflies. That was a good feeling for me. And obviously the Miz, after the last, I want to say the last year, he hasn't really been too much in the spotlight. You know, he was feuding with Logan Paul and and a couple other names, um, but you know, he hasn't really since he won the the WWE title. He kind of hasn't been too too relevant atop the card so i think seeing him kind of slowly progress back to that role is something that's definitely encouraging at least for me specifically but um in terms of what we saw to end it we saw dexter loomis another another triple h boy in nxt uh make his debut i guess take the hoodie off and you just see him staring down aj styles what did you make of that and uh what do you think about a guy like Dexter Loomis potentially feuding with AJ? I think it perfectly uh, sets up for when Johnny Gargano ends up coming in. So Loomis, uh, he was a big part of that uh, on NXT with those guys. And I think he's going to probably start with AJ and then eventually we'll see Gargano come in and looks like maybe he'll be a heel. And uh, Austin Theory is also money in the bank. So that could be a way that they can also help him win it. They all had that group there in NXT when Theory went down there the first time after the main roster to work out with Seth, and it turned it around for him. And I think this would be a perfect way if they all help him win the money in the or use that money in the bank to cash in, and it's all because of Gargano and Loomis. It could be something fun for Raw to go on. Yeah, that would be. I I didn't even think about that. I think maybe if this is all just to have Theory win and get his moment, that's just a bonus. But um, I wanted to quickly say to you, I think when you look at the card right now and you look at AJ Styles, you look at Ziggler, you look at The Miz, do you think they're all kind of in that same limelight? Or do you think a guy like The Miz right now might have the most value? Because I'm looking at all these names and I think you could argue putting them in a feud with Lashley or Ciampa down the line I don't think it's gonna hurt anybody yeah I agree I think like even what they did that three-way match like the qualifiers they had Miz Ali and AJ and they had that spot at the end where he hits a 450 on the Miz Miz like puts him up there right into the styles clash like there's chemistry there with those guys I like to see Ali get involved again Ricochet get involved again That'd be cool. uh, I, I think with Triple H in charge, I think those guys will probably see. So I think there's going to be a lot of ways for the Miz to use his heel heat, uh, maybe build up another top baby face. And for AJ, I just think continue to main event, put him in those spots and let him just be him and not change him into something else on the roster. I want to quickly talk about SmackDown and then we'll end the pod. Um, want to quickly, again, talking about Triple H making big changes. I saw a big change in Ricochet on, on SmackDown. He took on Happy Corbin. He got the win. It looks like they're trying to benefit him in terms of going in a positive direction. Uh, with, with the Intercontinental title, man, not really getting a lot of steam, do you think a guy like a Ricochet maybe surprising Gunther, would you think that would be good for the title? Yeah, it would be something where it would show that there's a clear switch in direction because Vince McMahon, obviously, he didn't really think too much of these guys that fly around and do these flips and dives and all that. He likes the guys like Gunther that come in. They look like they're going to ruin somebody, like break their neck. So that's the kind of guy Vince McMahon likes, bodybuilder type. And I think it would be fun if they did a triple threat so Gunther would still be protected and not take the pin so Shinsuke could take the pin and him and Ricochet can feud together. I think that would be something maybe not right now, but after survivor series going into the end of the year, that would be like bringing that intercontinental title back to relevance again. Yeah. I thought also the segment afterwards, you know, with Kaiser and, uh, and Shinsuke, I thought that was pretty cool. Either way, you have an intriguing matchup with Gunther for the IC title next week. If Kaiser would have won, dude, I think I would have been a little bit more, interested i don't think shinsuke's beating him regardless i i know there's always going to be that hint of optimism with shinsuke being a big triple h guy but i don't see i just don't see him winning i think this is a a project type situation for gunther and i think they're going to see um they're going to just build up some matches i think for him down the line maybe with a ricochet with a shinsuke see how he overly performs and maybe just see what happens from there but uh what do you think overall 
about Gunther because I voiced my opinion with him. I think he's still a bit of an unknown. He was phenomenal in, in NXT. Do you ever see him maybe feuding with a Drew McIntyre down the line, or do you think that's like a long ways away? I think it may be a long ways away. I would love to see him and Bobby Lashley, that they keep the titles on going into Survivor Series. That would be a great first step to see how he works with those kind of guys uh, that are like not maybe like Ricochet, AJ, like that type of guy that they can benefit off selling. If he's working with a guy his size, like a Bobby Lashley, that would be a first step that is this guy ready for the main event? Then Drew and I, maybe Brock, if they want to have him come back and there's no like clear opponent for him and they build up Gunther to a point where it's going to make sense for Brock to come back and take him on at a Royal Rumble or WrestleMania. So I think they have long-term plans for him. I don't think it's going to be like a short term. He's going to be the champion right away type of thing. I like it. And then, of course, we had the number one contender gauntlet match for the SmackDown women's title. Now, you're looking at the names. I mean, it wasn't the greatest. You had DeVille, you had Aaliyah, you had Shotzi, you had, um, uh, what's her name, uh, Lee, and you had Rodriguez, and, of course, Shayna Baszler. I was looking at, you know, those people in it, and I'm like, okay, Baszler has to win this. Obviously, she does. I think finally, like you mentioned, with this new change of direction, I think seeing Baszler versus Liv Morgan only benefits the show and just benefits the pleasure for the fans, man. I think this is going to be – I don't know if this is a long-term feud. I can kind of see see it being a long-term feud, like uh, what we saw a couple years ago with Orton and Brian. Like they have maybe like two, three pay-per-view matches in a row. But uh, what do you think about this potential feud between Liv, the babyface type character, and Shayna? Yeah, I think this is going to go uh, the way Triple H had his NXT – uh shows run with Shayna's champion i think he's gonna want her to be dominant and beating up Liv morgan and the fans like getting the sympathy and rallying behind her it will just make her baby face chase again for a title more meaningful or they can even just turn her heel and see how that works but i think Shayna baszler has to take the title off or she has to be the one to do it and I think it'd be better than if Ronda took the title off. I think that would piss fans off. So if Shayna does it, I think it would be a lot better received. And you can instead of doing Ronda versus Charlotte for the ten thousandth time and Ronda versus Becky, I think Shayna versus Ronda sells itself. Uh, their history together, uh, being teammates in MMA and best friends in real life, I think it would make for a better match than if Ronda is not committed and doesn't look like she wants to be there with Charlotte. I like it, man. I think regardless, if Shayna, let's say she wins the next pay-per-view, I think it's a win-win. I know a lot of fans will be upset saying, oh, you know, Liv Morgan, her run was really short. But you mentioned it perfectly. I think if it could be like a Daniel Bryan type of run where the just the chase for it is just so much more meaningful and the fans are really behind it, I think that's the ultimate goal here is obviously to build Shayna as being that Ronda Rousey type of dominant champion. And then you have you know, the happy-go-lucky, um, crowd-pleasing Liv Morgan. So I think regardless, it's going to benefit the women's division. I know Triple H has openly said that he wants to tremendously improve the women's product, and I think he's already made a big, big splash, and I think soon we might be seeing Sasha Banks and Naomi make a return as well. So it's going to be great, but I want to end the pod by talking about what we saw to close out SmackDown. Now that, to me, was... Probably the highlight of the week in terms of wrestling, other than obviously Punk coming back. You know I'm a Punk. I'm, I'm a huge Punk fan. But, um, you know, we saw Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre kind of build their program for Clash of the Castle. And then all of a sudden, you see the return of the Dragon graphic across the screen. And you see Karrion Cross and Scarlet Bordeaux come out. And he just basically beat the shit out of Drew McIntyre. Sends his message as well. Stares down Roman Reigns. What did you overall think about this segment? I don't think it could have gone any better. Yeah, like I thought this was the way they should have debuted him back when he first came up. Like he came up with like a different character. He had a mask too. Like they were putting him on main event to get the crowd reaction to this new change in character. And it just didn't work. Then he feuds with Jeff Hardy for a little bit. And then Jeff goes on and uh, Karrion Cross goes down the card, takes losses, and then they release him. So him coming back to this old character, it's what worked in NXT. It's what worked in Impact. And 
just not go away from it just if it's not broke don't fix it type of thing and i think that was a perfect way for him now he looks like a big star because he just took out drew and had that moment with roman with uh those two just staring each other down without him getting in the ring and everything so it only adds the belief like what's going to happen after clash of the castle it makes you want to tune into it to see with whether he gets involved or not or after the match if he attacks one of them so i think it was a positive and Hopefully, there's more returns coming up there for Triple H. I, I agree, man. I think my favorite part of the segment was the hourglass and how it's basically signifying that it doesn't matter how long you have your title. You know it's coming to an end soon. And I just loved Roman's face. He just looks so <laughs> unbothered. He's like, he's like, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm the head of the table. You have to acknowledge me. Whatever. It's all good. I've been holding the title forever. But I got to ask you, man, like, who has the better odds of taking the title off of Roman? Is it Cross or Theory or is it Drew McIntyre? Yeah, for right now, I would say Drew just because it's going to be in a market where they want to continue to grow their fan base and maybe bring more stadium shows to the UK because like they've gone to Saudi Arabia a few times. They get 50 million, I think, per show that they have over there. So that one's safe for them. Australia, they had that one stadium show and like I think the UK is a market they kind of looked over in terms of that's a like environment that hosts a lot of stadium events for other sports and WWE every time they go there it's like the same arena all the time so going forward I think Drew would be a perfect guy to take the title clash of the castle in a stadium and build interest in every time you go back to the UK try to get another stadium and just build long-term profit for WWE. I, I like it. I think he would he would fit well as a WWE champion. And I think you could even bring Drew back to Raw. You know, have him yeah. go up against Rollins, go up against Kevin Owens, go up against Finn Balor. There's a lot of names, a lot of potential there on the Raw brand that haven't been getting that main event spot. So regardless, man, um, I think we're done here. Uh, this was an absolute phenomenal pod. Talked a lot about wrestling, AEW, WWE, just the 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 booking decisions and the creative decisions have just been just a breath of fresh air, just a lot more, I think, consistent, a lot more unpredictable, especially with the uh, out of nowhere, you know, returns like carrying cross, even Dexter Loomis. I didn't see that happening. So um, regardless, this is in the zone. Um, it was an absolute great pod. That's Giancarlo Alino, Chris Martelli signing out.